when Barry was there. Um, maybe, uh, yeah, probably. Well, watching some Matt Stafford two-minute drills in the fourth quarter coming back to win with Calvin Johnson were probably – some great moments watching the lines, like beating the Cowboys. The Cowboys were talking a lot of shit before, like playing the game in Dallas. And the uh, I think Des Bryant was like, said something like, yeah, I'm the best receiver in the NFL. Like I'm better than Calvin. And then like Calvin had three touchdowns against him that day. And uh, he caught like balls into triple coverage. It was ridiculous. Wow. That does sound like a pretty epic game. Do you remember what year that was? Yikes. Uh that was probably like 2000 in the like uh early 2000s like 0305. I'm trying to think. Well, I think it was like maybe uh 2012 or 11. Oh, okay. Okay. Nice. Cuz uh, yeah. Matt, Matt Stafford was drafted in 2009. Okay. Nice. Hell yeah. He's a good quarterback too. Now, yeah, now now he finally has a ring to prove it and all the people that like, you know, played people were talking so much trash against him that he wasn't an elite quarterback. And I'm like, Oh, trust me. He's elite. <laughs> he's finally on a good team now with, with a good foundation on defense, a great head coach and a, and a good organization. And he's going to make some waves and, and I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. A lot of people are like, Oh, are you, are you mad that, that uh, Stafford's got a ring? I was like, no, he deserved one. He just needed to be on a good team with a good organization. And he was just like, it was about time that he, he earned. I mean, that, those no look passes like he the the Detroit Lions only had nine 100 rushing yard games in his like 10 year or 12 year career with the Detroit Lions that's a joke um oh yeah it's 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 like ridiculous and then uh and then we saw what happened in the Super Bowl too he had to put everything on his shoulders again because Cam Akers he didn't really recover from that ACL injury that he had or whatever the tendon that he that he messed up in the beginning of the season and uh sony michelle didn't do anything running either they averaged like 2.3 yards a carry and then matt stafford's like i'm just gonna throw the ball and like get us down to the to move the chains and he did exactly that hell yeah that's awesome i'm gonna go ahead and stop there uh what is up everybody welcome to hypothetical comedy podcast i am funky sam medina i don't want to say it you don't want to say what? Your name? Yeah. Why? Because I sound like a dork. Just I mean, <laughs> you're talking already. I mean, is, yeah. it, is there yeah, a You sound like a dork regardless. Does <laughs> it more of a dork? It's because dork. Our, friend, our friend mixes music and he pulled me saying my name. And so now I hate how I sound saying my name. Oh my gosh. That's I'm so alongside funny. the very wonderful and beautiful. Athena Rodriguez. Well, yeah. You? Oh, I love that name, Athena. Yay. And we are here with stand-up comedian Alan Squats. Hey Alan, hey. did you did yes. you grow up in, in Detroit? Like, why are you a Detroit Lions fan? No, I grew up in New Jersey. I just um watching Barry Sanders play. You just he, he just like you just took a liking to him as a kid. I mean, when you watch him play, he's just like plays the game. Like with a violin, I just feel as though he every time he gets a touchdown, he like hands the ball off to the ref. He doesn't talk any smack. The way he moves from right to left is ridiculous. And his vision of the game itself, very, very humble. Um, 
only five foot eight. I'm five foot six, so I love like short. <laughs> short you can relate. You can relate. To <laughs> <laughs> yes, we both have Napoleon <laughs> complex, and um, but uh, yeah, I just love the way he moved, and uh, it was fascinating to watch to me. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he's one of the greatest of all time. He really is. Hell yeah, that's cool though. Um, you know, you grew up. You grew up in New Jersey. What's it like growing up in New Jersey? Um, hmm, I don't know where to start with there. I think that <laughs> very, very loyal kind of um neighborhood of Italian people. I literally grew up with a lot of Italian Sicilian people in my neighborhood. I was blessed to have uh had a good community playing football with like my best friends and stuff like that. So that was awesome. Um yeah. definitely a little narrow-minded though with that said because you like a lot of people are of like that one culture so you definitely want to like expand your own cult- culture with other different cultures you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah um, but uh I, I, you know there, there's people when i moved to california people were like oh jersey shore and i'm like no i'm way more soprano than that so like i <laughs> um, so uh i think like not to like whatever, but like my, my uncle has a little mafia ties and things of that nature. And like gambling kind of runs in my family and a little bit up there. And so like, I have a little bit of that taste more so than the like, Hey, I'm going to wear a chain around my neck and go clubbing and spike my hair up. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. But I played music a lot. I started to play the bass and, and I was oh, in rock awesome. heavy metal bands and stuff. Uh, but I had a really great, great childhood. Very blessed. Um, I like the uh, the the on a scale from one to ten, one being a Jersey Shore, ten being Sopranos. <laughs> You're about an eight. <laughs> You're somewhere on the yeah, spectrum. <laughs> I'd say I'd say about that. I just really, you know, every time I would go out, I would like to either watch a show or perform in a show, you know. And I I just never understood people like I don't know going to clubs getting into fights, wearing just like, like people like manscaping and shaving everything. And they're like Metro sexual kind of thing. It's just weird to me. I'm like, how is this in? Why is this trending? I don't, I hate it. (laughs) Nice. Uh, At what point did you start um, wanting to do comedy and how did you get into doing comedy? Okay. Yeah. I think I always wanted to do comedy, but music sideswiped me first. But when I was in sixth grade, I, I actually have a, uh, illustration I drew of me doing stand-up comedy on the back of a moving truck. Whoa! Yeah, and it, it, it's and it's self-deprecation, which is pretty funny because I I do self-deprecate a lot. But it's, were you? And it was like, were you bombing in the? It was, <laughs> I I'm, I'm it's worse because I'm being a hack comic. I like stole another person's joke and took credit <laughs> for it. I, I wrote something like uh like uh when I stepped on the scale that said to be continued nice and uh yeah looking back at it now i'm like i'm like shameful of that sixth grade self you know what i mean i'm like how dare you steal someone else's joke no but uh that was I, your I first headshot to... too that was your first headshot <laughs> just kidding <laughs> yeah i i um i loved jim carrey i loved chris farley i i saw damon wayne's uh special and like i don't know it was like 1994 1996 or something like that and that was like after oj simpson the trial and all that stuff and I remember like Damon senior did like this amazing seven minute routine about OJ Simpson trying to get away with murder after he was like uh, let go and wasn't considered guilty. <laughs> and it's like one of the funniest bits ever. And I just remember laughing so hard and like trying to like 
you know, uh, mimic that with like one of my best friends, like, and talk about it. And I think that was where my desires really stemmed from. Wow. That's super awesome. That's incredible. How did you get started? Did you, did you start doing comedy in New Jersey or did you just go straight to LA? Yeah. I, um, uh, so I think, um, like my band was my like rock band was breaking up. This girl that I was seeing broke up with me. And like, I, I think I lost one of my best friends too. And it was like a crazy, it was a crazy, um, sequence of events. I had all this negative energy inside of me. And I, and I didn't want to do anything harmful with that energy. And um, I just forced myself to do stand-up. And I was, cause I always wanted to do it, but I never had the balls to do it. And I always was saying that I was going to do it. And um, <laughs> I remember I like, I like took a bus into New York city and I went to like Broadway comedy club. It was like an open mic on like a Sunday. Oh, wow. And I remember like walking to the Broadway comedy club. And as I'm like taking each step, I'm like, turn around, turn around, turn around. Cause I was so scared and nervous. <laughs> and I was like, you know, you're going to not regret this when you do it, regardless of the outcome, you know? And then uh, I told like, I don't know, three awful jokes in front of like three people. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a comic to I, me. <laughs> <laughs> I like hyperventilated on stage too. It was so bad. It was so bad. I videoed it and then I watched it one time and I'm like, I will never watch this again. It was like so, <laughs> oh it was so hurtful to watch. I relate to that. <laughs> oh my God. That's how I feel about my recent videos. <laughs> it is beneficial. You're, you got to separate like your ego from it somehow, which is the challenging part. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that's a good, that's a good point. I never really thought of it like that. It is really hard to watch my own videos. Even if I do well, it's hard to watch my own videos, but you're right. You got to separate your ego from it. So you can kind of watch it as almost, almost as a different person from a different perspective. It's, it's true. That's not easy to do, but um, yeah, it's definitely, that's definitely important to try, try to attempt that. Yeah. Um, so before we go into the, move on to the comedy a little bit, uh, you did mention you're in a band. I didn't realize it was that serious. Um, how long were you in the band and like, did you play some cool places? Yes, I played in um, a couple serious rock and heavy metal bands. Um I did a couple tours. Like I, I played in uh, Massachusetts and Boston in this heavy metal band called the Soto Voce. And then uh, I was um, trying to think of uh, this place in New York City, which is probably the best venue we played at. Um, oh, it's called the Bitter End. Oh, nice. Which is a really dope venue that like, like uh, a lot of people played on. I hate to just all of a sudden plug Lady Gaga because I don't really like her. I respect her, but I know that she hit that stage. Um, I played at the Starland Ballroom in New Jersey. That's like one of Bon Jovi's famous places that he played at because I believe he was from South Jersey and that was like a home for him to play at that place. Uh, wow. Yeah. I, I played in a punk rock music band that we toured the country, which was which was pretty cool, but that was actually in L.A. Oh, so that was after you started doing comedy already? Yeah, that that was uh so like I guess since I've been like doing comedy, acting and music when it fits like a schedule, I just found this website that you could like get paid to to play music. I, I auditioned for this band um called the Pullman Standard. They liked me to to play bass and they they paid me to go on a six-month tour around the country and I kind of put comedy on hold. And then when I came back to LA, like LA just kept moving. They're like, who are you again? I was like, I'm Alan. Remember me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
wow la's like a machine with that stuff but uh yeah that's crazy how was the how was the tour i bet that was like the time of your life oh yeah it was yeah. cool to see the whole country really uh you know the, I really didn't get along with the lead singer. We had a lot of different, uh, he was very, very aggressive. And I think kind of, um, kind of a dick. And he also tried to like not pay me. So there was like, there was definitely some animosity there. So I had to like take him to court. It got really kind of brutal. Um, and, uh, he ended up, he ended up paying me cause I had to friggin' put pressure on him. It was so stupid, but, uh, so like, I didn't really get along with him that well, but like, I remember during the tour that I really wanted to see the country, and then like, I was like, I'm going to put up with this. And then like, we went to Memphis and played in Memphis, Tennessee and like yeah, on Beale yeah. street and different. And I was like, this is fine. This is, this is dope. I always wanted to do this, this is on my bucket list. So that was worth like any of the animosity, but I, you know, I came to this conclusion too. Like I was like, I would rather clean shit and be with my best friends cleaning shit than doing something that I loved with people that I didn't like. That was one of the things that I found like on that. No, no offense to this, this guy, but like, uh, we, and we've smoothed it over since then, at least as much as we possibly could. I think I have a little resentment there that I need to be mindful of, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was just so, some sort of epiphany I found. Uh, Cause I, it's, it's all about who you surround yourself with, you know, yeah, that. Absolutely. You know. I totally agree with that. Oh my gosh. Wow. So do you have any like, um, has there been a place that you went on tour that you just absolutely do not want to go back there again, mm. not for comedy, not to just like peruse. Yeah. We played a show in Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh, dang. And, um, I guess the experience wasn't that good. Cause like everybody there wasn't paying attention to any of our music at all. Like we weren't even <laughs> getting like. We weren't even getting applause in between songs. Like I would just like give our, I would just start clapping. I'd be like, yeah, that was a good take guys. Don't worry about <laughs> everyone playing pool over there. And they're, they like us. They're just jealous. We, we were, we were also like the only white people there. So I felt like we stuck out like a sore thumb too. <laughs> I just, I was like, how do we book this? Like we're not wanted here. They don't want to hear music, <laughs> at least our kind of music. Like, I was like, do, do we have any rap old dirty <laughs> bastard numbers we could pull out? I don't know. Oh, that would be dope. That would have been dope if you guys would have bust that out some hip hop. <laughs> loved you. I know, right? So how'd you uh how'd you go from um your first time in New York City and an open mic and then going to LA to do comedy? How'd you make that leap? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um I think I in in I always wanted to do do entertainment for a living. Um, and all these things happened in my life. Like I'd said, kind of like my girlfriend broke up with me. One of my best friends just died. My, my family were like, we're moving to Florida. And I'm like, ew, why are you going there? And I was like, you guys are moving to Florida. I was like, that's fine. I I, honestly, anger, you know, from like Zach Della Roca, anger is a gift. Uh, there's truth to that. I think that anger that started to build within me was my fire to go to LA. And that's what really got me there. And it was funny because like, you know, one door closes, another one opens. Like that's kind of what happened. Cause like, I I guess uh, my medium taught me once this, this, or this person that I went to, to like help me with dealing with uh, some stuff was like, expectations are like one of the worst things you can have. 
yeah. you know, and um, I had like these expectations in my life with my music and, and, you know, like relationships and like staying in maybe New Jersey, which now I'm glad that I, I, I left. But um, yeah, and then I, I'm just starting to drop that I- ideology of having expectations because so many things are out of your control. And I was like, wow, I was like, God works in mysterious way because I always wanted to get into acting and stand up. And like now this door is opening for me. And if I don't do it now, then I'm going to have a huge regret. So I just took it. And I, and I drove my Kia Soul across the country. <laughs> wow. How, how long did you do comedy in the New York, New Jersey area? For like, maybe like a, like a two years, maybe. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> and like, I came out to LA. What's that? So you had some pretty, some pretty experience. You had some pretty good experience when you came out to LA. A decent, not probably as much as I needed, but just time, yeah, was, probably not. time was where it was. <laughs> you know, I thought I was good. Like I, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty hilarious. Like, and I was like, <laughs> I didn't even know how to set up a joke. I was like just doing act outs and like people were like looking at me funny. And I was like, I killed it. I killed it. And like, just like blind confidence. It was so stupid. Uh, but I, I just loved I loved doing it, even if I bombed. Like I didn't care. I was like, "Wow, I'm doing this. I'm. I can't believe. I, pinch me because I never really thought I was going to like be end up doing something that I always wanted to do like this for some reason. I don't know. And like I, I loved. And then going into the city and like you could hit up like seven mics a day, and like I, I, I would like I would like go to like just these different places in in a super fast amount of time. And then like mingle with some comedians. I'm like, oh, wow, there's people that do this just like me. Like, this is cool. Like, it's more, it's accepted. Like, I felt, it felt good to feel accepted and be a part of a community, even if it was like, you know, I'll see you for like an hour and then like maybe never see you again. <laughs> it, it was, it was very, very cool to me. I was taking like drop-in improv classes, some acting classes. I was, nice. And I booked a couple things and I just was like, this feels fun. Like, and uh, yeah, I was on a I was on an episode of Boardwalk Empire that filmed in. Oh uh, wow! Awesome. And, and like that, I think little wins like that helped me be like, yeah, like I want more of this, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's incredible! How did you get into the acting? Um, I just my I guess curious stuff. Like mm-hmm. I always wanted to. I, I would shoot short stuff with my friends for fun. Oh, in my like that. in my 20s and stuff like that and then helped produce a, an iron chef par- parody of new jersey with like my like <laughs> that's incredible is yeah that around yeah it is and it, it is really funny and like what my friend who had unfortunately passed away is in it and he's the lead in it and he's freaking hilarious he's the one who actually introduced me to whose line is it anyway oh and, like wow. that show. And, and he was like yeah i want to take improv classes and like and like, I was like, oh my God, improv, what's that? He's like, whose line is it anyway? Check it out. I was like, yo, this is hilarious. And then like, and then, um, yeah, he, he definitely opened my eyes to that stuff. And I give him a lot of like credit for me to, you know, learning about that improv was a thing. And then I started to take like improv classes at People's Improv Theater in, in New York City and I just kept, kept kind of going. Wow. That's incredible. Was the Boardwalk Empire your first, uh, your first gig? It was my first paid gig. Yeah, and it was weird because like it was on uh, I got it on backstage and it and I was like, hey, we're looking for a Cuban uh, Cuban police officer. And I was like, <laughs> I'm, I was like, I'm not going to get this, but I'll submit myself anyway because it's Boardwalk Empire. And then um, and I didn't even have a professional headshot. It was just like a picture selfie, you know, <clears throat> and um, they like call me up They're like, hey, we want you to be this Cuban protester or this Cuban police officer. 
can you come into Steiner Studios in Brooklyn? I was like, okay. And Steiner Studios is the second biggest studio in the country behind, I believe, uh, Paramount or something like of that nature. I could be wrong with that. But anyway, they like paid me to, to give me a haircut. And then they, <laughs> wow. I was like, this is awesome. Uh, and then they like, um, there was like wardrobe. So I, the, the wardrobe was of clothes of people in the 1920s. That is so cool. It was so cool. But I was like, oh my God, I'm wearing a dead person's clothes. Oh, so I was like, That's <laughs> weird, you know? oh so they used actual vintage clothing? Yeah, they did. And, and, and uh, nothing fit me. And like the, the guy was like, the guy in the wardrobe was like, man, you are as tall as you are wide. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then he's like, uh, can we make you a Cuban protester instead? <laughs> because the costume issue. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And then I was like, like oh, an inch off. You're like, I guess, I guess. <laughs> can we just let out? Like, the, you... Can we just let it out a little bit? <laughs> I was like, can I just show a little belly? And who cares if like a button right? pops, whatever. <laughs> can I just have my mom just stitch it a little? <laughs> uh, yeah, she's really good with the sew. If that's <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was just like, are you kidding me? And then I was like hell no we won't go hell no i was like give me the gig dude so like uh yeah it was one of the coolest i had and i did the the whole gig like i'm i'm unfurling a pro um unfurling a sign and running down like like three sets of stairs and i like interrupt like a market and i start protesting in like this cuban uh farmer's market thing in like the early 1920s or 30s or whatever and um, my, my, my scene is shot like eight hours and I'm just doing the same thing like over and over again. And I, I remember I just enjoyed it so much. I didn't care about how many takes it was. And I'm like trying to stay in character and I'm only background, you know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> and like, I'm like, I'm like pretending to like, just be a Cuban. It was so dumb. <laughs> And like, um, like the actor in between takes, who was my partner, like hated me. He's like, Hey dude, like, we're not on, like, we're not on, like, it's, we're in between takes right now. I was like, I know, but like, let's be great. <laughs> <laughs> we're not method actors, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's so stupid. And, and like, I, I, uh, I remember like, I'm screaming, like, as it's action, I'm like, I'm like, um, what did I say? I was like, um, uh, no, no, son, El Puesto. I was like, you sons of bitches. And like, I'm just like screaming and like, the director's like, cut cut and the director's like hey like are you in the union i was like no she's like shut the fuck up i was like my bad i was like you're right i shouldn't have you. i didn't know that i was like i was just trying to maybe you wanted to give me a bigger part or something <laughs> i was like screamer number one like <laughs> i like i like that she had to clarify that you weren't in the union before she told you to shut up <laughs> because if you're if you're um yeah, I know. She set me up to like me, me being a super dumbass because like, <laughs> super. You probably green, can't but, yell um, at the union people. That's why. Well, that I think there's that too, but also you have to pay me more if my voice is on camera. Oh, I see. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so shut the fuck up then. Yeah. Exactly. She. Well, I, I kind of that was a hyperbole. She didn't literally say that. She was like, "Can you stop?" You know, she was a little nicer than that. The, her intentions behind her words said like shut the fuck up you, you know? <laughs> so you're in LA you're doing some comedy you're loving it you're doing the acting you're loving it uh what's kind of ticking off more the acting or the comedy at this point uh I probably 
I don't know. It's like a mix. I think it's like whatever is like available. Yeah. I think it's whatever's open is open. And I'm like, I go with the flow of it. I, and it's a blessing and a curse, you know, um, acting obviously pays comedy doesn't pay so well, unless you're like, I guess a headliner or a certain feature spots pay pretty well. So I think you have to create, well, I think you have to produce your own stuff regardless. Yeah. You know, um, I think like, well, there was a great, great interview or like a thing that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck talk about. Cause they auditioned for that movie called dead presidents with Ethan Hawke. Oh, they did. Wow. Yeah. And they, and they were getting callbacks. And so they, they went to these other auditions and they ended up not getting the parts and Ethan Hawke got like the part and um, they worked at a, uh, a movie theater in the summer. So that summer when they didn't get the part, the only movie that was playing was, uh, was dead president. Right. Oh, that's a good movie. It's a great movie. Wow. And uh, they came to the conclusion that like, okay, to be a no name person and all of a sudden be on a bill with a listers, the chance of that happening, take out like how, talented and amazing you are right uh because everyone's so amazing okay but uh yeah so right there's a lot of talented people yeah right there there are and um like okay the chances are super thin it's like the what one percent five percent chance of you of you really being on a list or a bill like that for you to like open up your career and uh then he then they brought up edward norton in primal fear which is another example because he's in with richard gear and like they're like same thing same thing with him. And I mean, he's an incredible actor, Edward Norton, but still it's like very, very odds are against you. And then that sparked the desire and the push towards goodwill hunting that they wrote together. And I, I wow. think that like, okay, so Steve Martin says, you got to be so good. You can't be ignored. Right. Wow. So there's that. But I also think that you need to create your own thing and be a producer of stuff. One thing that kind of sucks too, when you're doing comedy, uh, well, I'm now kind of switching to the comedy thing is, or, or even acting a little bit. You're like, Hey, over here, like, check me out. Did you see this? Can I get on the show? Can I blow? So it's like, Oh my God. Like I kind of want to be less of a, be less of a beggar than more I was doing and be more of more of a provider somehow. And just a creator where people can, can come to me like ho- hosting stuff is dope. Cause like, if you, if you host a good room, then like people be like, Oh, come on my show. Oh, thanks for having me. And blah, blah. And like, this this little power that you have and like we can't ignore that like that's a thing that's a thing that's always been universal it's since the beginning of time it's 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 important and you got to kind of play the game with that you know and um i think that's what i started to uh just pick up on so i want to produce more things to um help not only myself, but other people. It's all about the community. It's all about helping other people. There, there's a lot of people that look at it backwards. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, it's, it's a, I'm so good. Like, or, or like the jaded. And like, I've been jaded before and sometimes still am. And like, get jealous when I see something happening with somebody else. But also, that's also a reminder of your desire. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I don't. I forgot what the hell I was going. I do agree with you. Like I feel like, um, like in comedy for me, uh, I don't have a lot of opportunities, you know. And so we start. We started producing shows to create opportunities for ourselves, and then just take some friends along with us. It's it's probably what makes life worth living. Is really like you know building a community, being a part of a tribe, and and um, just just trying to help other people with their goals. And in return, 
your goals help get met too you know yeah yeah definitely. and then yeah you being the creator of hypothetical comedy and all this stuff you have like ten thousand people like on your uh you know a part of that community or displaced comedians is is that you as well displaced comedians no that's not us that's that's like ten thousand people we're kind of a we kind of um spun off of that a little bit because we were using that to kind of for our platform and then we decided to start our own group um, regardless it's a great it's a great approach yeah, great strategy and think about how many people you i mean i've never hung out with you in person right there's so many people <laughs> you know what like, I'm saying? So like many people that we can go anywhere in the country or maybe even the world and i'll know somebody because of zoom yeah that it's was so you could travel literally anywhere and have a little bit of some sort of like decent opportunity than some joe schmo just going to a place and being like, hey, um, so like, can I get on a show? I don't <laughs> know out of, anybody. Out of town, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And that's what I love, you know. And then the same so thing if people come here, maybe I can find something for them, you know. And then we just we do the online shows together, and it's a lot of fun. It really is. Absolutely. Yeah. And meeting them in person. Yeah, oh we've my met. Gosh. We've met a handful of the Zoom people in person. It's so much fun, oh, dude. I bet you that's so freaking cool. Like, I, you know, you know, Luke. Is it Luke Lindale? Uh, I don't know him well, but I do know him. So I did some Zoom stuff with him and he's in Canada. And then like he just moved to L.A. And I was like, and I was like, man, I was like, that's so cool. Like if I was still in L.A., that would be so cool to like, oh, I just I knew him from Zoom. And now like he's doing comedy with like a bunch of my comedy friends that I know in person. Yeah. And I was like, that's so dope. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah do you know, really cool. um, do you know Superman? Oh, OK. Oh. Oh, sorry, I'm just getting some, uh... <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, do you know? I was, do you like, know... I was like, this session is over. I know. All right, see you later, Alan. Thanks for. Uh... Do you know Suitman Dante Barnett? No, I don't think so. Okay, well, he's one of the guys that we did a lot of things on Zoom with, and then we've actually done a few shows with him in person. It's been really fun. Oh, that's great. That's great. What's the um, scene like, comedy-wise, club-wise, and places to uh, play at by you or like perform at? Um, it's pretty good. There's a lot of going because we are so we're in Tracy. So we're kind of central to San Jose, San Francisco, Oakland. And we're also about okay. two hours from Sacramento. So we okay. have a lot. We have a lot of places we can go to at our fingertips. Um, we haven't really been going out much lately because uh, we're working from home and gas prices are crazy and life is crazy, okay. you know. But um, the, the the scene is really was really thriving. You know, we have the San Francisco punchline. Cool. A lot of a lot of people we know go up there all the time. You know, there's Cobb's Comedy Club. Uh, there's the comedy club I used to work at, Tommy T's. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's thriving in this area. It's, it's really cool. When we That's first started cool. doing comedy, I first started doing comedy in 2010. It wasn't nearly as thriving as, you know, as it is now. Ah, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. The growth of it. That's mm. dope. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So um, you're out there doing doing TV shows and whatnot and getting some gigs here. Um, what kind of led you to get <laughs> on 100 Humans? Because that's a pretty incredible show. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I don't really like the show, but no, it's actually. <laughs> not, uh, it, it, it got it got pretty good reviews in the month of March. It was just funny how that ended up, kind of how the cookie crumbles, if you will, because uh, Fauci, Ouchie, and Gates, and everyone who was like speaking for like what the world should do is like, hey, you need to uh, stay indoors and and uh, you know isolate. And like, that's when the show came out and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay that's indoors. Good, yeah, I see. Watch my show. Right. Watch Netflix. <laughs> um, I, I think there's like these acting websites you could submit yourself 
two gigs on and stuff. And um, I think uh, I actually think they had ads on like Craigslist for a hundred humans too, believe it or not, um, because they were looking for so many candidates. And I think they were trying, it was like a fly by night. Let's get these people. Let's figure out who the hundred humans are going to be. And uh, it was kind of a quick turnaround. Um, I think I went through actors access and um, I had a zoom interview before zoom was like, you could, you should have, you should have all invested money into. And then uh, I, uh, I guess I got a callback audition and they liked my interview and then they hired me for the, uh, it was like a two week gig. That's cool. How far before the pandemic uh, were you guys filming? How far before the pandemic? So it came out, like you said, it came out right as we shut down. Yeah, I think that uh, we filmed in 2018. Oh, wow. Okay. A little while ago. It usually usually takes like uh, a year at least for like bigger productions to finally see, you know, uh, the networks and or like be on display for people. But uh, we didn't even know if it was going to be on display. It's, that's the crazy thing about the whole acting world. It's like, is is this actually going to be put on something? You know, because we were like, we heard that it was supposed to. And then like, we're like, we like lost faith in it. <laughs> wow. and, then, and then eventually well, it, there was a lot of non-union people working in the production. And um, like the first day everybody was on set, it was like, too many chiefs, not enough Indians, if that makes sense. Yeah, too many cooks um, in the kitchen, too many bosses. Yeah, and like so, like people didn't know what they were doing, so they had to like fire the director that they had, and then they hired, I think, someone by the name of Neil DeGroot or something like that, and uh, he he was the director of the Biggest Loser, and then he came in on like day number two and like was like such a baller ass boss and was like directing everything and like everything fell into place and I was like oh okay sweet like maybe this is maybe this is a good production after all and then uh it turned out to be as professional as it uh was um so that show was really fun um it was more of a reality show than anything else and it wasn't scripted right like it was just kind of like you just kind of did what they told you to do yeah, they were like, "Here, uh, listen to me, slave. Walk over here. Do that." No, yeah, but uh, they, uh, um, uh, yeah, they they were like, it was like little games and stuff, and to see how you interacted with your fellow group of people that you were with, and psychology kind of games. And um, yeah. I, I wish they they took a little bit of a different spin on it because there's a lot of like quote unquote actors and performers who are like vying for attention and like oh. hammer time and that in itself was like human nature and to see like people trying to get on camera which was like <laughs> ridiculous at times what should have been also integrated into the show in my opinion yeah that would have been you're right, right about like, that. There, there were there were fights breaking out and stuff like that and there was like there was uh there was some stuff they took away from it like if you if you listen to like the the score of the show it's very like Disney music, like weird, like magic sound effects. And like, you're like, oh, it's kind of cheesy, but it worked. So whatever. Like they, they had stuff that they pulled from the footage. Like, for example, they had like a vanity test where they had cameras inside of the mirrors that people would go and look at themselves in the mirrors. And they would like, they counted how many times 
the the male uh, like one of the males did the most times for the males and the most times for the females okay. and like it was like 300 times when they're like checking themselves out in the mirror and i was like oh my god it just showed like the vanity that people can be and like the narcissism kind of thing but but it was also hilarious at the same time you know and oh, i was like oh i wish i wish something like that was in the final cut oh yeah yeah you're right they catered to like younger like there's a hundred humans but like they didn't film they didn't keep there was a lot of stuff that went on the editing floor and i i felt kind of i fellow people who didn't get any uh face time especially like when there were there was really entertaining clips that they could have kept in and uh, i think they went like younger and like oh good looking younger people were gonna put in more so than like other people who aren't uh camera friendly or whatever they wanted to you know what i mean so i thought that yeah. was a little messed up but I, yo th this entertainment business is the craziest thing you could i think like go into uh, or, or i mean not that like <laughs> I've, uh, i'm an undercover cop because that's probably way more crazy but like, you know what i mean like it's pretty like a little nuts <laughs> If we try to make you an uncover copy, you never, you don't know. How, there is no way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so going into the show, uh, so our our good friend is the host Samuel Bade. He's we've known him yes. uh, since we started doing comedy. Did you know him at all going into the show? I did. That's why I was like super excited when I saw him because uh, oh, I I would do stand up comedy and. Um, I, I admired him. I, I, I remember seeing him at like a coffee shop, right? Just writing jokes by himself. And like, I, um, I forget exactly when I met him, but I, I liked his comedy. And I think I just complimented his comedy. And it was as simple as that. You know, he would host some, some comedy shows and uh, I would like go on or comedy mics and I would meet him there and like, you know, we would communicate a little bit back and forth with one another. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I thought he was just a, a nice person. And there's, yeah. it's easy to like, like he he's, he's, I think he's pretty open, you know, like there's a yeah. lot of comedians that aren't open and he was just like open to like, say hi, if you wanted to say hello or like shoot this, shoot the stuff. And then, and then um, I was just super happy when I found out he was the host. Cause I like him a lot. Like, and then, uh, you know, it was funny. He tried to punk me on uh, <laughs> in, the one, in one of the scenes I was in, like that they they cut. They cut, I wish they kind of kept it, but like it's fine because it makes sense with like the theme of what they're going for for the for the show. But he throws he throws a ball at me. And he like hits me in the face, but it was like a um, it was like a sponge ball, and like it, it got me really angry. Like my Italian soprano came out, and I was like, "You're lucky, I like you, Sam." Like blah blah blah. It said something like enraged, and then I think they were just trying to distract me because this is if you've seen the show, like they drop a baby from the ceiling and I catch the baby. Yeah. And uh, they're throwing all these different things at me to distract me. And I didn't know what was going on, but yeah, Sam's a good dude. And um, I really, uh, yeah, admire him. And I, I look up to him. I, I love his hustle. I love his passion for stand-up comedy. And uh, yeah, I think he's a really good dude. Well, in that case, if he ends up sleeping with the fishes, I'm going to look for you. Oh, dang. <laughs> no doubt you should actually. <laughs> i'm a hard man to find these days so no that's awesome so um what was it like out there doing comedy in uh in los angeles just like out there in the wild and there's a lot of people and it's cutthroat and what was that like for you how long actually how long were you in la doing comedy too six years okay oh, nice um 
it took me three years to feel like I found a community and felt grounded there. Um, which is, and then like, I'm since that's like the majority of the time I've spent doing stand up in that area, when I went to other areas and they're like very inviting, I'm like so confused. I'm like, Whoa, like you're actually <laughs> like, like you guys are nice. Yeah. Like I'm in, I'm in Atlanta right now um, for about a month, just exploring the acting and stand up scene here. And like, people are like, Hey, yeah, you can be on my show. And I was like, what? I was like, you can come again. Did you say, and people have been really nice here. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's not like that everywhere. Like the Florida comedy community has been very welcoming to me. And I'm like, (laughs) that's the way it should be. Um, uh, but yeah, there, it is very cutthroat in LA. It's like, Oh, who do you know? Like, have you ever seen the movie swingers? Yes. Yeah. It's like, Hey, what car do you drive? <laughs> he's like, uh, I think he says, Oh, there's like a red, he's like a red Mazda Miata. He's like, I, I like it. It's like, it's pretty, it gets me around to places. She's like, Oh, okay. And then she like walks away. And like, <laughs> like living in LA, like you really do experience that. I was like, damn, they were pretty accurate with swingers and how people, like I, I would tell people that like I waited tables to like get by and they like look down on me for it. So then I'd be like, um, yeah. So then I'd be like, I'm, I'm actually, I'm a four, I'm a director of four table stations. <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm like, damn dude. Like you have to like impress everybody. You have to know somebody you have to like live in a man. It was just like, yeah. When I, when I, when I went to LA, I drove with my, I got a brand new Kia soul. And like, I was, I mean, I didn't really love it, but like, did you, I don't care. Did you get the Kia Soul I, because of swingers? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did it. But uh, it was the only thing that I could somewhat afford, I think. And then um, someone put a promotion underneath my windshield wiper when I got to L.A. that said, we buy junk cars. Ouch. <laughs> and I was like, what the freak? Where am I? It's, it's, another, it's another planet. It's another planet over there. <laughs> and people there, there are there's so many people that are like, oh, I'm the I'm God's gift. Like, I'm a performer. I do stand like I'm talent. I'm like, no one cares, dude. So uh, you said that you had started doing out uh, doing comedy because um, I mean, the catalyst for you was, uh, you know, grief and, you know, losing that relationship and stuff. And I'm kind of like the same archetype where I was going through a divorce. I was going through losing my job, losing my car. So um, when, when did you start going, oh, dang, life is good. Like, when did you feel like that? Like you can, you felt like the grief had been, you know, like not gone, but you were able to tolerate it better and stuff. Um, life is still not good. No, uh, <laughs> it's a struggle in 2022 and I'm living with my parent now, but, um, I, um, I think when I first started to do it and I was just impressed by myself that I actually like finally did it. And I was like, Oh my God, like I'm finally doing this now. Like I never, I, I just, I like somebody pinched me. I felt like I was dreaming a little bit because I always wanted to do it. And I I was just talk, talk is cheap, you know? And I just Mm -hmm. kept saying like, Oh, I'm going to do it one day. I'm going to do it one day. And I remember I met like Marlon Wayne's, and he talked to me for like 10 minutes before I started doing stand-up. And he's like, dude, you just need to hit the stage. The stage is the best teacher. The stage is the best teacher. And like, cause, and, I, and I'm like trying to do a runaround. Like, I'm like, like almost looking for excuses, like not to do, like I'm asking questions. Like, dude, just go on, hit the stage though. You could do it. Like, I promise you could do it, <laughs> blah, blah, And like, it took me like four more years to finally do it after like this dope ass conversation I had with him. 
And um, it's the truth. You just got to force yourself to go on that stage and, and just sitting, just being up there is like more valuable than the joke itself, especially right away when you start doing stand-up. Where did you, what situation were you able to have a one-on-one conversation with Marlon Wayans? So there was a time when he was um, friends with my sister or dating her or I don't know, whatever it was back. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's exciting. Oh, my. And um, so I think he lobbied me a little bit more because of that. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. else he'd probably be like, dude, just like shine my shoes or something. Like, dude, just I don't know. I'm just he'd be like, are you in the union? Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, well, you're not supposed to be here. Who are you? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, he was super energy his motor is so high and he's like so positive was he a super cool dude yeah he was very very cool and um i was surprised he talked to me for as long as he did and um i was super grateful for it and then sean was there too his brother and i remember i remember seeing sean i was like hey what's up sean like i think you're very whatever i don't know but i was like hey what's up and sean just like looked at me like like looked right through me Okay. Yeah. And like I felt like it was super awkward. I was like, I'm gonna go this. Way. I was like, I'll go this way. I'll go. Th- I'll go this well, way. Well, like, in his defense, Sean wasn't trying to get points with your sister. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But you know, people are people. You don't know. You don't know what day they're having either, and you just have this small impression of them. You know, so like, uh, there is that. There, you got to be mindful of that as well. Like, and how many times do people go up to them like, oh my god, white chicks. Oh my God, look, you're awesome. Yeah. Like it's yeah, probably so right. annoying too, you know? So mm-hmm. you got to also be mindful of that. But there are people who are dicks, let's be honest. Like um, the, who's the, Neil Brennan was such a dickhead to me when I met him. Oh, um, I mean, I, I met him at the improv at the, so there's a room called the lab. It's like a workout room. Uh-huh. And uh, he was doing like a joke about like cloning people. And um, after his set, I was like, hey, maybe you could bring up like multiplicity as like an illusion or something that stands out that people might recognize with your cloning bit. He's like, that's a fucking 15 year old movie. And like he walked out. I was like, fuck me. I was like, I hate my life so much. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. (laughs) Wow. That's exciting. Do you have any crazy stories? Anything crazy happened to you while you're doing comedy in LA? I mean, there's lots of crazy stories, but what's like one of your top favorite? Uh, my top favorite. Um, geez, I don't, I'm probably doing nude stand-up comedy. Oh wow! <gasps> Whoa! Was, was the entire audience nude too? Yes, they were. Whoa! I just actually I just saw one of my comic friends promote a show in LA that's with the same exact theme, and I was like, "This is crazy." What was that like for you? Oh my god! Oh my god! Well, the, I, I did it twice. The first time I did it, I wanted a fluffer. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what that is? I didn't know they had it for comedy. They don't, they don't. I don't think they do. Oh, my. That's um, I, awkward. <laughs> you know, one of, one of my best friends there at the time, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have went. But he was like, oh, he was like my 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 partner in crime kind of thing and um he's like oh let's do it we get paid like it'll be fun like everyone's naked so it's fine and like it was the thing that's the thing that kind of makes you probably feel more comfortable is that it's everybody yes that definitely helps that definitely definitely helps and also like i was way more you're you're even more vulnerable 
Right. You know, That's um, why I'm like, oh my gosh. And, oh. But so is but so is everybody else because everyone else is like dongs and vaginas and butts to butts to seats. They put towels down on the chairs at least. Yes, they did put towels. <laughs> no one's but, gonna um, be able to hide a fart in that show. Uh, yeah, people were queefing, farting, everything. It was so not. It was just like natural. No, but um, like just be you. Oh uh, no. Um. <laughs> Yeah, like I was way funnier too, because like everyone was even more vulnerable, and I was like, "Sweet, like I am pretty hilarious," you know. No, but uh, it, it was it was cool. It was very very liberating and free, and I guess that's the best way to describe it. It was I, it was another thing that I was proud of to do, because it was something that I was so close minded of. And then I was like, "Screw it! All right, I'll do it." And um, I felt so happy that my closed mindedness opened up, and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty dope." I feel like that at that point, you've done almost the scariest kind of like uh, stage time, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's true. Almost any situation is going like to be easy. Like at that point, you're like, eh, people have seen me naked on stage. I would thing. say, you bring I up a great point. Say, if you guys don't start laughing, I'm going to start peeing. <laughs> what? <laughs> you, you bring up a great point and you made me think of the fact that like something else that I really believe in the more vulnerable situations you put yourself into, the more comfortable you are, even like auditioning for things in front of strangers and stuff like that. So right. I, I thought about that in the back of my mind. And uh, yeah, it's, it's very helpful for you to stay open and be yourself. Because you, when you go on these auditions, you have like a minute and a half, two minutes. And it's like, if you're like, hey, hey, ha, 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 I'm Alan, like you're, you're done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're not even going to so listen gotta... to the rest of your time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that definitely helps with that as well. Wow. That's really cool. I never even thought of it like that, but yeah, you're right. It does make you less stressed in less stressful situations. Yeah. You're like, what can I do? Like, bring it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm right. you know, I got my clothes busy. on. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least I have my clothes on this time. I can't fail. <laughs> See, I'm okay with doing it. Like, I'm, I'm like, they'll be like, oh, the crowd's really mean. I'm like, I don't care. I could do it. But even though I'm confident to do it and I know my jokes and everything's good, my body still reacts like it's the first time. My body still trembles completely while I'm on stage, even though I'm confident about my material. They're laughing. There's no oh. other reason. I don't know why it happens. How, how long have you been doing stand-up? Well, a long time. Like, over... Was it 10 years? 10, 11 years. We stopped uh, for like about, we stopped for like about four years. Okay. Um, but about 11 years total. But mine is four So that, that stays with you, those, those nerves every time. Always, huh? every time. Yeah, it's weird. I get really nervous too. And I've been doing it like 10 years as well. Do you, do you, why. yeah. I mean, we all do. There's definitely, there's sometimes like right before the show, I'm like, why do I do this? Okay. I tell myself, I'm doing like a five minute guest spot. There's a good crowd. <laughs> I'm here to have fun. Why am I putting myself through this mentally? I was like, do I really have to do this? What a, oh my God, it's crazy. Uh, you and know then, what's actually, go ahead. What were you saying? I was, and then once you do it, it's this, it's like a completely different mindset. It is. It is. Um, one thing that hel helps me before I go up on stage is um, like, I'm like, oh, people are here to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's not like you're at an open mic where it's like, oh, I have to freaking like, 
you know, make fun of them to open them up and then go into my jokes or something stupid like that. Where like, it's like, I have to prove myself and feel like, Oh, you know, uh, it's like, Oh, they're there to have a good time. And I'm like, I'm like, and I'm, I'm hired for that right now. This is so cool. You know? And like, I'm here to like be me completely me. And from the stuff that I, I think that helps me personally. Um, you're, yeah. You're definitely right about that. There's this local comic. Um, she is super dope. She should be famous because she's so funny. Her name is Tammy T love. Oh yeah. She when um, I was doing security at a club, you know, talking to her when I first met her and she kind of gave me the similar advice. Cause I asked her, you know, how are you so confident when you go on stage? Like you just seem like you're there to conquer the world, you know? And she said, it's just, you just go up there with the mindset that this is a party. They're here to have fun and they're here to see me. I, you know, it's, it's, I think that's a really great approach. Um, yeah, it is because there's no negativity in that mindset. No, no, no. It's, it's not, you could cloud the open mic versus, versus a show. Cause like, you feel like you're being judged and like, I have to prove myself. It's like, no, I'm just here to like, everyone wants to have a good time. So they're for me. They're for right, this. Yeah. yeah. This that's is not a practice or an audition. This is the, the deal. And, and think about how much, like, I mean, most of the time, the, most of the time the crowds are like, I mean, they could laugh at like stuff that like, isn't even that funny. Like a really yeah. like, Oh my God. I, and it's like a softball touch. Like I went to this crowd. I did a show recently and um, I, they were, they were just really easy to please. And my opener was like, I don't even like my opener, but I knew it was going to work. And it did. I was just like, I was like, I was like, I know what you're thinking. I was like, no, I'm not a chubbier version of Freddie Mercury or whatever. <laughs> and then they like all laughed. And I was like, I wish you didn't laugh that hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a good then, little, that's a good tag on it though. Yeah. And then um, it was just, it was fun, but like, yeah, they're there to have a freaking good time. You know, yeah. um, obviously there's other comedians that are like those, the high levels where they, you know, you have these expectations. I love so like Bill Bill Burr. I can't wait to see him. I'm getting. I got tickets to go with my father in uh, Estero in November. Oh, and, oh um, that's awesome. He, he he had an interview that was so cool. And do you guys get this? Like, it's like, and the people that know you the best know your persona, right? And they're like, mm -hmm. like, because one of my friends came to my show. He's like, hey, it was a good show, but like, he's like, I want more of you in there from you telling me a story in my living room. And I'm like, huh, I was like, that's a really interesting and a great, I was like, I appreciate you uh, for, <laughs> for mentioning that. Cause it's also a reminder of like, cause sometimes you like do things that you know that work and like you're putting on a show. So it's like, oh, this works, this works. Even if it's not necessarily even your truth anymore as it once was or something. Yeah, yes, yes. And, and like, you're like, okay, like I wanted to be, cause like, I, I want to have fun when I'm on stage too. You know, I know it's my job to like be funny and bring the jokes to, but I also want to like express myself to my fullest. And like, if you look at Bill Burr stuff from like 15 years ago, you're like, oh, it's funny, right? It's, it's, he's funny. It's funny, but it's not nearly as close as to his voices now. Right. It's not, like his, just, it's not his truth. He's just saying right. funny shit. He's just saying right. funny so shit. I, I want, I want to make an effort to keep stripping away myself live to like be a little bit more free and really speak more of my truth by taking those risks. Sometimes you get afraid to like, Oh, should I talk about COVID right now? Or like, should I talk about like my truth with that or something? And like, yeah. and like, if it's my truth and I, and it's my voice and it's funny, I'm going to go ahead and attack it. Like, I think we need, I need to be less fearful of that stuff. True. Yeah. And people can really tell 
when you're being genuine on stage like it's a, there's a better connection there when you're being genuine oh a hundred percent have you ever done stuff over and over again and you're like a machine or like a oh robot yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and, and, and you're, when you're, you're, you're not even saying like, it you feel like you're just reciting lines yeah that's the yeah. fucking worst that's the, you're like you're not having fun they're not having fun you're like oh my god like i'm not i'm going through the emotions i said this joke like <laughs> there, there's some comedians that do that and like relive it like perfectly and like it's like great but like i have i have to do something that's like different each time for my own peace of mind to like you know what i mean and like yeah. i feel the same way or like like <laughs> i don't like to go in the same direction i usually go with my jokes sometimes i'll word it differently sometimes i'll incorporate something that i haven't before in that story or you know i i can't stand saying it the same way the same lineup the same like yeah. delivery oh, tone no. i so have to make it different yeah like for me Amen. sometimes even if i'm telling the same jokes i'll do it in a different order or a different way to get there you know whatever or i'll like say oh hey look at this in the room that reminds me of blah 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 and then just one of my jokes right right <laughs> meanwhile if Seinfeld was in here, he'd be like, no, I just do the same thing over and over again. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. No, he does. And some people like they could do the same thing over and over again. And it just sounds like just amazing. You know? It's true. It's yeah. true. And those people like I'm like, damn, like, God bless you. Because like I have a struggle with that uh, thing that, yeah, they're so good at. Maybe it's like an ADHD thing. I don't know. Maybe. Like a sensory thing where you're just like, I can't fucking say and hear it exactly the same again. I, I think I think I have a sensory issue, too. <laughs> I think I do, because if I hear like a lot of noise. Like, I just want to, like, punch myself in the head or something. Whoa, yourself? <laughs> just something. Just All right. to make it stop. <laughs> as long as it's <laughs> Like, when you. we're in the car. Like, you know, our car, when we're reversing, it beeps inside the car, which is ridiculous because we already know we're reversing. It should beep outside the car. And that drives me crazy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's pretty funny. You know what drives me a little crazy? Like, ambulances and noise pollution on the road yeah. like freaking um like they're, they're, they're so annoying <laughs> do we have to have those like high-pitched uh, and I, I used to have like ear infections as oh, a kid so I'm very sensitive oh, to ears and playing music man. and stuff yeah. so i'm like can we like have a different song could it be like america fuck yeah gonna save the <laughs> motherfucking day yeah i'd be like so much more enthused about like the ambulance going by or like the cops like that. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, fight that crime in the last couple of years the ambulances have just got so ear piercing it's because everybody listens to such loud music all the time that they need to hear it <laughs> you know right yep and so the us who listen to moderate um, volume music, we suffer. <laughs> I like the idea of putting a, a dope beat to an. I think ambulance. they should put an ice cream truck. I an feel ice like cream... that would make me go, oh, oh shit! I would right. pay attention. Make it like a Dr. Dre song or something. Right? Yeah, ice cream truck. They're like they're avoiding like running over kids with the ice cream truck music. They should switch <laughs> ice cream and ambulance songs. I don't know. Oh shit! It'd be crazy. I think um, you're onto something. So when the pandemic hit. Uh, you went back to Florida. Were you doing comedy out in Florida? Yes. Uh, I was grateful that there was a comedy community that was very receptive to me. Also, there's someone by the name of Nathan Wallace, who uh, I met from doing stand up and frequenting my parents and family in Florida while I was in LA. And um, he was really nice to me. We were friends and he was like, Hey, we're going, we're doing uh, poker with the comedians and you could uh, meet the new owner of the club. And like, why don't you come out and hang oh, out? Incredible. And I was like, sweet. Yeah. It was really cool of him and really nice of me. He didn't have to do that. And uh, I remember like I, <clears throat> when I went to move to Florida, like the uh, 
owner of the club that I met and I won like a stand-up competition, comedy competition uh, in front of no longer was the comedy owner. And I was like, damn it. I was like, now I have to like, <laughs> I got to win again. You know, yeah. You have to fucking slay. Oh no. But, um, <laughs> I remember, I remember like, I remember I won that, that comedy competition. And then I went to LA and I was like resting on my laurels, like an idiot. And I did stand up at like midnight at this place called the next stage on like the same set that I did. And like, no one laughed at anything. <laughs> and I was like, I was so upset. Like, I heard like fuzz hit the ground in between like my jokes. I was so upset, but I remember I, I, I wanted to, I ran off stage. I was trying to run out of the theater because I was embarrassed and I was frustrated and angry. And I tripped over a girl in a wheelchair. Oh, oh no. yeah. And then she starts laughing. Like, <laughs> really laughing. Yeah. So technically, so technically I did my job, you know, I was like, I am funny. No, but uh, I remember the, um, as soon as the host gets back on stage, you know, my stage name is Alan Squats. The host goes, uh, give it up for uh, Alan Trips, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, was so, I was so upset. But like that stuff is like humble stuff that you you need that. You need those bombs. You need yeah. them. They're yeah. so valuable. They're, yeah. you, well, you don't forget them. So you're like you try to like you try to like correct anything of your mistakes from those huge bombs that you do get. And right. um they're so powerful. And I remember one of the things that I took from that was like, Alan, they didn't want to hear any of your stupid jokes. They wanted you to open them up and do some crowd work, which I need to get better at. But like, sometimes the crowd just wants you to like talk to them and like not go into your routine. You're like, Oh, okay. Like, Hey, what's going on? Like, how's your day going or whatever. Like talk about something in the room, like something. Yeah. It's just, it's, a, it was an interesting kind of lesson. That's kind of a connection to the crowd work. Or just talking about something that you see in the room that everybody kind of sees too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also that was a room of comedians. So they're like super judgy and like, who are you? Strange comedian. You, know? yeah. you get that too. Um, yeah. The comedians are the fucking worst, aren't they? They can be like the worst people to. They're like even, the worst and the best simultaneously. Yeah, I know. I know. It's so awkward. true. <laughs> I know. I know. And like, you know that like, if you get a little, huh, from like a yeah, comedian, exactly. you're like, yes. That's gonna work. I'm gonna yeah. write that using that. That's like that. That's a belly laugh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You're gonna be as far as comedians go. We are pretty desensitized to funny. Like I can see like the funniest thing ever and not even show it and be like, oh man, that was really funny. Yeah, like, and, like have, a straight, like, have a straight, have a straight face. You know? Please right. straight face. That was hilarious. And, and not even laugh. And then, like you know the, the comedian is like, oh, I'm gonna scrap it because like you didn't even, like laugh. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Give me nobody left." <laughs> what was uh, what was the comedy scene in Florida like compared to LA? Um, you get a little more time, I think. Uh, you, there's more um of a receptive community in terms of if you want to do stand up and you're like even brand new, it's like, oh yeah, we're doing this here. Like, there's like comedy like chain of Facebook messages you can be a part of to just like talk to like level one comedian or like level 10 that are in there. So I think that's pretty oh, that's cool. cool. Um, opposed to, uh, but, but in LA, I think you get fat, you get better faster. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you kind of have to, because it's like you live by the fire in LA, you know? Yeah, it's, you do. And like, you're, you're also, it's, it's also faster paced too. Yeah. And um, there's more people that are, that are going after the same, you know, stage as you are like stages 
that want it so badly. So you, I think you get better there faster for sure, which is, is you definitely have, would have to grind harder I mean, in LA. Yeah, I'm sure you, you do. You do have to grind harder. I feel as though it's it's very saturated there, where you you pay for mics. You pay yeah. for mics there. You know what I mean? You're like, why am I paying five dollars to? But um, it's uh, yeah, yeah. I think you get more in Florida, but you'll you'll get better faster in LA. The only time I ever paid in LA for a mic was uh, I had to buy a drink, and I wanted a drink anyway, so it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, so there, LA, ha. Huh? Yeah, so there, I got a drink. I wanted a drink. You're I like, I was actually, yeah, I was gonna buy a drink regardless. <laughs> I was suffering from dehydration, so take that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And you said you're in Atlanta now, right now? I'm in Atlanta. Actually, tomorrow I'm leaving. I was here for about a month. Oh, oh wow. wow. How did you said you were um, checking out the acting and the uh, comedy scene? How is the comedy scene out there in Atlanta? It's pretty cool. Um, I, I was on two shows. One of them got canceled. But uh, the mm-hmm. one that I was on, there was about 70 people that were at the show. And um, I, I, I did some time at the punchline, but there was a good crowd there. It wasn't just comedians. And uh, that was a lot of fun. The people, the hospitality here in the South has been just, I just, I like it a lot. I got paid for an acting gig here and I had like six auditions. So that was pretty cool for the time being that I've been here thus far. Um, and there's like a lot of things to do. One of my best friends from New Jersey moved here and he's married with a wife and kid. So I got a chance to reunite with him. Oh, awesome. that's cool. It was, it was cool. Cause he's, he's one of the, one of the dudes that I played music with too. And I like have a really, really great history with him. So, um, I think that was also another it's nice when you know someone too, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like, you don't feel when so I went alone. to LA, I didn't know. Yeah. I felt so alone in a, in a, in a County filled with 15 million people. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Do you have any um, acting shows or movies or gigs or whatever that like we kind of glossed over that I didn't really mention that you um, think were super awesome? Uh, I think one of the the best things that I was a part of was a, a Thrive probiotics commercial where I played the lead dad in it. And, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's fun. It was fun. I had like six pages worth of dialogue and um, it really, wow. it was a really good commercial. It's, it's, it's pinned up on my Facebook, but the thing about it that really meant something to me was uh, uh, it helped me get other gigs. And it was like someone, a comedian by the name of Greg Wilson's like, Hey, like your punchlines, your, your gold in this industry, and like work begets work. And I was like, okay. And like, when he said that to me, like, I, I didn't really understand that to the fullest. And then when I booked the Thrive Probiotics commercial and um, I could use that as like something to pitch myself with to casting directors, they would just like give me, they would give me direct bookings from it. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I don't have to like audition. And they're just going to like take, they like, like me as the lead because of what I already just did. I was like, oh my God, that's so it's such a stress reliever you know and um yeah it kind of cuts out some red tape in a way it it does it does and i was like oh i get it now that i'm building credits and like i have a decent imdb page like i'm actually can get an interview with another agent and like there i have like it's it's like hard to see you know and then because you're like how do i how do i level up or how do i just gain better things and like, and it slowly builds, you know what I mean? And like, you're like, Oh, okay. They, they've checked out my profile. They actually like looked at my stuff for a change. 
And uh, instead of just like looking at my headshot or like pigeonholing you to being like, oh, he looks like a cop, so we'll make him a cop or whatever, which I'll still take. <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, but, uh, yeah, so that uh, and it was cool because I remember it was I memorized like five or six pages of dialogue and I took like I only had two takes to do it. And like I was like, oh, my God, like I didn't like the, the cameras in my face, the bright lights are in my face. And like, I, I did it without like really um, fudging up. And I was like, sweet, I could do this. Like, it was, so it was another confident kind of builder thing. Great. Hell yeah. Uh, what, what do you have on the horizon? Do you have any projects you're working on? Uh, do you kind of going back to LA? Are you going to just sit in Florida for a while? So uh, I'm, I've been teaching during this pandemic, which I believe it is. But anyway, I've been uh, teaching eighth grade English. So I'm going to teach one more year of eighth grade English. I'm going to try to get my drama certification. Um, and I do want to be able to maybe move to Atlanta potentially. Um, okay. So I'm considering that, but I've been writing a stand-up comedy book and I'm currently getting an illustrator to uh, draw up some pictures for me to see if his style matches my voice. And then um, I'm also trying to pitch a stand-up comedy reality television show, um, a two, like make a two-minute pitch tape. So hopefully I'll have that ready by May. But um, talk is cheap, so hopefully I do get that done. So that's kind of what's in the back of my mind of going on here. Yeah. Wow, that's that's incredible. Oh, you have um, some really cool things happening for you. Um, don't give away too much, but the stand-up comedy book you're writing is like a how-to or is it like a memoir? <laughs> that'd be fucking. That'd be hilarious if it was me who was like, "Yeah, I'm the king of comedy. I'm going to tell you how to do comedy." <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's more of like jokes that I've carved out on stage and during oh, my okay. career and uh, my my comedy journey. My 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 uh trip to la it's so it's like a it's like um there's there's also literal pictures involved with it like my story with sean weiss goldberg from the muddy ducks is in it yeah just uh stories that i've carved out on stage throughout my time too so i wanted to make it like playful with like a cartoonist illustrating some stuff and like i guess i always wanted to have like some sort of merchant shows wow yeah yeah i would really and a part of me like always wanted to be able to be like, yeah, like I published a, a book when when I'm on my deathbed, you know what I mean? I just kind of want to have like, be like, yeah, I did that. Like I, I said I wanted to do it and I eventually did do it. So I'd be, I think I'd be proud of that um, journey and stuff. Nice, nice. I mean, so far you've had quite an interesting journey. Yeah. I, I'd personally, I'm so excited to see what you have in store for the future. And I hope oh, we can thanks. follow up with you to see what you're up to later. That's amazing. Thanks. Yeah, I totally enjoyed, um, you know, talking with you guys. And you guys are awesome. And I uh, love all of your um intuition and even your like insight from your experience doing stand-up. And uh yeah, I really yeah, wish hell you. yeah. This has been fun too. Like you are you you have a lot of good insights and a lot of good like um i don't know i learned a lot really about stand-up with you today and i was really uh inspired a lot too you know um there's a point where i bombed recently and i'm just like oh i don't know if i can do this i don't know about stand-up you know and then um you said to me just today uh you're on stage and that's really all that matters you know and i kind of changed my perspective a little bit just talking to you so thank you very much <laughs>
Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. This has been, I'm really glad we did this. Uh, it's really cool. And I can't wait to like check out when you um, like publish this and stuff. So yeah, Absolutely. thanks for, thanks for and thinking. Then, of and then Alan also does a Monday night zoom open mic um, KOComedy.com. So check that out. It's a lot of fun. It's a, uh, it's, it's a good place to kind of work out and Alan even gives feedback and everything like that. So if you're a comic out there and you're looking for a fun little zoom mic on Monday nights, uh, hit up Alan squats and then Alan, before we go, uh, go ahead and plug some social media. Uh, yeah, I don't know if this ever works, but it is at Alan squats <laughs> and that's at a L A N S Q U A T S like squats at the gym. And uh, yeah, that's or, or you can IMDb me and help my star meter go up. <laughs> okay, no, but uh, you get star meters if people just go to your page. That is true. Yes. Oh, I didn't oh. know that. I would, I would <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. Right? <laughs> it's That's all good. good. <laughs> awesome. And then we are on social media at Hypothetical Comedy. I am at Funky Sam Medina across the board. And I am at She Shines For You, all spelled out on Instagram and Twitter, and Athena Rodriguez Comedy on Facebook. Until Kirk makes a song of you saying your social media, then oh you'll just God. delete it all. And then I'll just never say it again. <laughs> you'll just never ever. say it. And then you're never going to talk again on the podcast. Who am I? <laughs> awesome. Well, Thank well, you so much, well, Alan. that Athena? She Shines. She, that real quick? She, she, she <laughs> Shines For You. It's all spelled out. Okay, cool. Found you. Okay. Yay. Sweet. Thank you so much, guys. You guys are Ew. awesome. Hell yeah. yeah. And I appreciate it. I'll talk to you guys uh, 